Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And uh, we are going to be talking about the Mongolian death worm today. Um, for those of you that have never heard of the Mongolian death worm, uh, I know Eric had to do a lot of research because he had probably never heard of it before. Um, it's a... Uh, it's a legend that goes back to the Gobi Desert. Um, before we get started on that, though, if you guys want to call in during the show, uh, you can call 914-205-5558, and uh, you can give us your opinion or even some facts that we may not cover. You can go down to the bottom of your screen there and hop into our chat room and talk to us that way. Uh, and uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Uh, pretty much if you Google Paratruth Radio, you'll find us. Uh, so um, the Mongolian death worm. Um, the Mongolian, Mongolian death worm. Pretty impressed with that, seeing as the echo gets drastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the Mongolian death worm, uh, if you guys don't know where Mongolia is, it's in the Gobi Desert. Um, it was controlled by the USSR up until 1990, and that's why there were no reports in the West until more recently, until after 1990. Uh, but based back to uh, um, one that goes back to 1922, 1923, at least as far as uh, written down, uh, written words is concerned, that's where the legend goes back to. Uh, a man by the name of Roy Chapman uh, had uh, talked to the Prime Minister of Mongolia um, and uh, had got this legend uh, it, is, it is shaped like a sausage, about two feet long, has no head nor legs, and is so poisonous that to touch it means instant death. It lives in the most desolate parts of the Gobi Desert. Uh, it is red in color, uh, as it says in that little description there. It, it doesn't show that it has a face of any kind except for a mouth. Uh, the tail is uh, not very visible because it's not like tapered off or anything. It, it looks like a stump more than it does a tail. Um, what is what are some of the things that you came across? <clears throat> um, well, like you had mentioned, well, you said it was two feet, uh, but I saw that it was anywhere between two and five feet. Uh, add an extra three feet there for some of the bigger yeah. ones, apparently. Uh, you know, w when it comes down to it, there really isn't that much information on the Mongolian death worm. Uh, obviously, w there's nothing that's, uh, there's no evidence, as to say, that states that it ever yeah. existed. Uh, it seems to be more so passed down story to story uh, or by word of mouth. Um, I know, who is it? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm kind of reading through everything here real quick. 
should really start keeping notes instead of trying to keep stuff up online, you know? It makes it a little easier. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to find the guy's name here. Oh, do-do-do, I think it was Ivan McClare, um, who was saying that the, the people that he talked to, uh, they claim or to, like they say or speak of this particular death worm almost as if it's real, but they all uh, acknowledge that they've never once seen it before. Yeah. So these, so you know, it's like these people truly do believe in this creature and that it really does exist, and yet they've never seen it before in their entire life. Uh, so the story itself in Mongolia must be uh, a pretty strong uh, fable. You know, it's probably told from when they are kids. Uh, you know, it's one of those things... Of course, we we probably we in America at least probably wouldn't tell our kids you know some pretty frightening stories uh, you know when they're young, but uh, out there <clears throat> it, it seems almost as if and this could be, this is just, not that it's true, but it almost seems as if this thing's kind of like a uh, an idol, if you will, mm. you know. Um, oh, it's it's kind of weird. I know, like on TV, it's been mentioned on television numerous times. Yeah. And one place in particular, which used to be one of my favorite shows when it existed, uh, was Destination Truth. Um, and that in that particular show, they conducted an expedition between 2006 and 2007. And as far as I know, they didn't really come up with much in regards to what they had found. Uh, what's interesting though is that the stories say that this creature as you said just the mere touch of it could kill someone uh, that is capable of spitting venom which either turns things yellow or corrodes them and as for Mm. a human if the venom touches the person they die instantly and also that it's capable of releasing an electric shock uh, and that you don't even have to be near it to get shocked. You could be several feet away and it'll almost, I guess almost like, I guess it's kind of like spitting the venom. You know, it, it kind of creates yeah. a conductor between you and the creature and it electrocutes you, uh, which is interesting, you know. But I was doing some extra research just to kind of see, like, prehistorically, what kind of creatures are there, you know? Yeah, I was uh, trying to look up a couple of things because my thinking, too, is kind of like the legend of the Loch Ness Monster. It could be a uh, a creature that predates man and somehow survived. I mean, <clears throat> the, the Gobi Desert is very vast. It's very hot and not, not uh, very populated. There are some tribes from Mongolia that still live in, in the desert. Um but is this something that dates back to times? I mean, back then, everything's huge. Even a, a worm, even though from what I'm seeing, um, all all of the research is saying that it's not a worm per se because worms cannot survive the, mm-hmm. uh, the climate. So um, is it something that... Humanity is a uh, a creature that's 
just been because I, I, the legends say that it it uh, it hibernates <clears throat> until June or J- July, and right. it's only around for a couple months. <laughs> so I I didn't get a chance to look too much further into it. Um, maybe if we both have a chance during our first break, we'll we can uh, look that up. Um, but I mean, there's been a couple of, there's been paleontologists that have looked into this creature. There has been, uh, regular zoologists that have looked into this creature and just like, uh, the Loch Ness Monster, uh, Bigfoot, I mean, there's no real evidence. I mean, for Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot, there have been supposed pictures, but... <clears throat> Uh, for this thing. Right. Well, I, I came across a page uh, titled, Giant Sandworms Live in Torbay. Scientists claim. Um, and in this particular article, there's a scientist named Dr. Kevin Page who's holding a pair of fossils of bureau, uh, burrows that he had come across. Who he, which he believes have, had existed 260 million years ago uh, for a little sand burrows from large sandworms, which he believed existed 260 million years ago. Um, and of course, these bur- the bur- the, that word is hard to say. These burrows <laughs> <laughs> could be from absolutely anything. It could be from water drainage. But he claims and believes that they're from sandworms. And now, with, in regards to uh, the scientific debate against the creationist debate, if you will, uh, in terms of length of time of existence, 260 mm. million years is a really long time. And biblically, and there's evidence that supports this, is that both dinosaurs and humans at some point lived together at the same time. And, and it's hard to believe. It's hard to, to actually you know, put your mind in that setting that it's even possible. But yeah. There have been photos taken. There's been evidence found of giant footprints that would have belonged to a dinosaur of some sort with human footprints tracking alongside it or behind it, both of which are the same age uh, when the carbon dating is done. Uh, There's also been writings found on walls um, that have shown people riding triceratops-like creatures uh, and a number of other dinosaurs, even people battling a T-Rex at one point. So it's very possible that these worms did exist when humans were alive and did not predate dinosaurs, as some scientists may believe. Um, but instead, that people had actually seen this creature, and the stories were passed on from person to person. And then, of course, after the flood came around or... Maybe it wasn't even flooded, it was something else that eventually killed them off, uh, these worms. That story stayed and just continued to progress and change ever so slightly, uh, bringing in the supernatural aspects of the creature, such as being able to create these electric shocks. And Not that it's supernatural, because obviously we know there's yeah. uh, electric eels today that, that generate electricity as well. But, yeah, um, but unlike the eel, though, I mean, they they conduct 
their electricity and it, it kind of throws goes through the current of the water where on land that would be a huge uh vastly different story because there's no shooting electricity it's just it would be coming from its body so if you touched it you'd be electrocuted so right that's where the preternatural uh aspect of this thing comes from right so I I agree too that um, it, it can be just just legend because as far as I saw, there is no recent reports of citing one. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as they were that I've seen in all the different reports here, even in the report from. Uh, Chapman Andrews or Roy Chapman Andrews. Uh, It's just a a legend that that these people are saying. It's not anybody has seen it, and that dates back to 1926. Mm -hmm. So, um, is it? We'll go into. I found a couple of uh, different theories of what this thing could possibly be um mm-hmm. so uh we'll take a quick break folks and then uh we'll get a, a little bit in more in depth in what the theories are uh unfortunately the paranormal is nothing but theories for the most part because there is scientific hardcore evidence especially in cryptozoology uh of, of these different creatures so uh we're gonna have Eric's random fact of the day and a quick commercial, and we'll be right back. Now, Eric's random fact of the day. The fear of spiders, also known as arachnophobia, is probably one of the most commonly shared fears amongst people today. With that said, this next fact will help you sleep just a little easier at night. According to thefactsite.com, there are approximately 50,000 spiders per acre in green areas.
Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional Book, Book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy, happy reading. reading! This is Bill Hall, author of the book, The World's Most Haunted House, and you're listening to Paratruth Radio. Hey everybody, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And uh, we have been discussing Mongolian death worm. Uh, for those of you just tuning in, this is a cryptid. A, a, that's what it is listed as, a cryptid that lives in the Gobi Desert. Uh, in the area of Mongolia, that's the name Mongolian death worm. Uh, some of the, uh, the legends that are being told about this thing... Um, are that it spits venom. It's two to five feet long with a red uh, color to it. Uh, the tail is not predominant. It's it's a stumpy type tail. Uh, it burrows into the sand and uh, hibernates until June or July, where it's only active for a couple of months until it goes back into hibernation. Um, one thing that... I needed to say, Eric, is I don't think mm-hmm. people are going to sleep very well after your random fact. They are afraid of spiders. Yeah, I'm well aware. Yeah. Not that I'm afraid of spiders. I could really care less about spiders, but this thing probably would scare me a lot more than spiders. <laughs> So, um, some of the theories uh, behind the Mongolian death worm, what it is, um, some people believe that it might be a land eel of some kind, kind of like the electric eel is not an eel, it's a knife fish, but it, for some reason, people just call it an eel because it has an eel-like shape to it, um, they uh, 
the e the electric eel live in muddy bottoms of calm water uh, and are obligated air breathers, which means they have to come to the surface to get air. Um, but they do have gills as well. Uh, the one of the other ones is, um, and the reason they they kind of bring this up is because the death worm is supposed to shoot an electric shock. Um, with the electric eel, it's um, it lives in water. It uses that water to uh, conduct the electricity from its body further out to kill its prey or stun its prey. Um, also, ward off potential predators. With the Mongolian deathworm, I honestly don't think that there would be a predator that, that could take it on, but that doesn't mean that's not the case. Uh, with the uh, eel, uh, it has 6,000 electroplates arranged around its body like a dry cell of a battery. So that's why they're saying maybe it's some type of land eel or something that would look like an eel similar to the the fish that the electric eel is. Mm -hmm. uh, another one uh, is a spitting snake of some kind. Uh, the most common snake that spits is the cobra. It spits its venom uh, at potential or threats. Granted, the uh, the cobra is probably one of the very few that do that, and the venom from a cobra cannot is not acidic. It doesn't burn you. It doesn't uh, kill you. It can blind you uh, if ingested the venom, but not just from a touch. Um, something that kind of goes along uh, your area of it, Eric, is some people believe that it's a, uh, could it be a powerful thought form magic type creature, which would lead me to believe demonic or dark creature of some kind, um, which I don't believe that um, we can just summon a creature that magically pops up. There is something always in truth what these creatures are. Um, mm -hmm. In all of all of your research, have you ever come across any type of um, legends where other than demons creatures and out of you have to repeat that because uh, you're breaking up on this side a little. Okay. Uh, have you ever come across in any of the legends that you've seen where people have summoned things other than demons, like other creatures? Um, I yeah, I guess I have. Um. I can't remember in particular, but I know of several stories in which, not necessarily that it was summoned, but there's this one story of someone in a house where a lot of satanic stuff had been had taken place at one point. Uh, and they ended up, I think it was a Ouija board that they used, and the guy, one of the guy's biggest fears was werewolves. 
when that happened to be mentioned at one point uh, while they're in this house, I think while using this board or something, I don't know. But from that point on, there were nights where he would look out into his woods, the backwoods of his house, and there would be a giant wolf-like creature, werewolf-like creature, standing on two legs uh, with glowing eyes in the woods. Uh, it never approached the house. It always stayed in the shadows, but he was able to see it on occasion. Um, other than that, I mean, like, in regards to, like, American stories, I haven't really come across many. I'm not saying there aren't any. I just personally haven't looked into it personally as to, like, for animals being, animals of some sort or creatures being summoned. Uh, I know it's something that has been, uh, I guess, done in other countries, if you will. Um, there, I think there's some Native American cultures where, like, such as spirit, spirit animals, for example. Yeah. Um, some believe that you can take the form of certain animals because of, you know, uh, the spirit that provides strength and so on and so forth. Um, so that's a possibility as well. But other than that, no. I mean, I, I you know, you think of uh, black dogs, for example. That's a spirit, one type of animal that's a, considered a spirit um, mm. that only shows up at certain instances. That's supposed to be some. Some are you know up in the air about it. Is it a physical dog of some sort, demonic dog, or is it truly like a spiritual being of some sort? I mean, no one really knows for sure. Uh, but as you know, I'm sure the story with the with the uh, the black dog. If you see it three times, that is basically stating your death is soon at hand. Yeah. Um, it's one of the legends. Whether or not that's true. I don't know. It, many will claim it is. Well, yeah. with with the black dogs, I mean, and of course we're rabbit trailing here, but we'll get back to the Mongolian mm-hmm. deathworm in a second, folks. Um, a lot of people, what is there a difference between the legends of uh, hellhounds and black dogs, or do most people kind of? put those two in the same category? Uh, it depends. Black, I mean, personally, I put them in two different categories. A black dog is something more or less that represents one's death, where a hellhound is something that comes to take the person to hell uh, okay. or even to kill them. Uh, depending on, you know, the research you come up with, there's a number of different views on, on that particular topic. Uh, but that's the way I see it. The two different things. Yeah. Okay. Well, so getting back to the Mongolian deathworm, um, there's like numerous things that appear in um, fiction on this thing too, like the the creatures in Tremors, which you had brought up uh, mm-hmm. last week. Um, there's also the I guess there's a, a re- reference in The Hobbit to a wereworm of the last desert, which kind of makes you think of Gobi Desert. That's where they're located, so maybe that's where he was hinting towards these things are. Um, they, as you said, were in a part of Destination Truth. Uh, they were also a part of a docudrama the lost tapes which i mm-hmm. i know that you're familiar with um mm-hmm. 
let's see what else is there uh they were in Lost Girl, which I've never heard of this, uh, or never seen the the show. But uh, one show revolves around a WND named the Mongolian Deathworm, which reportedly can liquefy anything by electricity. And um, let's see. So yeah, there's a couple of references in in fiction. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, there's quite a few. There's some that like that they haven't even mentioned either. And I mean, I can only think of one, and that in particular, which I'm surprised isn't on here, is uh, Beetle Beetlejuice. Oh uh, yeah, the sand the sandworm uh, that showed up occasionally. Yeah. But the film, which is interesting, but of course, and then you have sci-fi, which leave it to sci-fi to name their movie Mongolian Deathworm. Right. They're, they're not. They're you know. <laughs> Personally, I'm a fan of sci-fi because it is just ridiculously cheap movies <laughs> with really bad acting that just happens to be hilarious. I mean, Sharknado, two of them. You don't go wrong with those two movies. They're great movies. I love those movies. But, uh, you know, it, their, their creative process of coming up with titles is terrible. So... Yeah. Mongolian Death Over, of course, states it, and which is very interesting because that came out on Sci-Fi May 8th, 2010, and stars a pretty famous actor, uh, Sean Patrick Flannery. Uh, oh. I don't know if everyone out there knows who he is. Um, he first, he's on one of my favorite movies, which isn't necessarily a good movie, um, <laughs> in, in respect to words that are used and certain images that are used, but... Uh, the Boondock Saints, which is an old oh. classic, um, and a very underground type of movie. But yeah, he, I mean, yeah. I'm surprised. You know, occasionally you come across those type of movies where they have pretty big names in hopes of bringing in more people to watch the movie. That's right. Pretty much the other reason he was cast in it, either that or he didn't have any work. But yeah. Um, but even Nickelodeon figure does a, does a show. <laughs> With a death worm. <laughs> well, uh, the troop. I've never even heard of it. Me yeah. either. It must be. Uh, it must pre. Uh, or actually, post date our Nickelodeon days because I don't watch Nickelodeon ever anymore. <laughs> so. No. Me either. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of legend behind this thing. I mean, just any of the, the cryptids that you hear about, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, there's vast amounts of different um, legends behind it. I mean, as far as I know, which as I'm not seeing any um, references in newspapers, but I don't know if... Mongolia really has newspapers. Um, with Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, UFOs, you'll always see some type of article in reputable newspapers, not just uh, National Enquirer, uh, but there will be reporters that do actual reports on some of these cryptids or uh, paranormal activities, that sort of thing. So, well... <clears throat> Uh, I was going to say, like, in regards to sightings, 
David Ferrier, which is a reporter of TV3 News in New Zealand, he did an expedition in 2009, uh, and of course didn't come up with any true evidence to support the Mongolian deathworm, but he did speak with a number of people who claimed to have sightings uh, of this creature, and uh, the website that he has says that these sightings had peaked in the 1950s, which really isn't that long ago. Uh, right. So apparently there have been sightings of the creature. Uh, there haven't been many pictures. I know if you go you know, through Google and type in Mongolian deathworm, you can find a couple of pictures that are like, oh, is this a worm here? Is that, you know, a creature there? And so on and so forth. But nothing significant like you see with other cryptids like you had said. Uh, and there's also a series called Beast Hunter, uh, a National Geographic, in which they also featured an episode to dispute the existence of that creature as well. Um, so, so I mean, there is, I guess, some evidence out there, at least in ways of uh, personal stories. Sightings. Yeah, yeah, sightings, as opposed to actual uh, physical evidence, such as, you know, fossils or video or pictures and stuff like that. Well, yeah, I mean, like, just like... Um, just like Bigfoot, I mean, supposedly this thing uh, sheds its exoskeleton, kind of like molting, uh, says molting whenever it's hurt. So <laughs> you would think if there was an exoskeleton to be found, we would have found one by now and been like, what the hell is this thing? Um, but just like Bigfoot, supposedly we've we've found hair samples that can't be matched to any known animal that we know of. So people just associate it with Bigfoot or maybe uh, when people are looking for a, a werewolf, same thing. If they come across hair that's, as far as uh, science can prove, non-existent to any animal that we know of, it, it points the finger towards that particular thing that that we're researching. Mm-hmm. So, but, and the only thing that makes me think that it's a possibility that this thing exists is just like the ocean is so vast that we really don't know what's going on in the depths of it. The Gobi Desert is so vast and not very populated that I would believe that there's a bigger possibility of this thing being real, whether it can do the things that it says in the legends, I don't I'm not sure I believe, but maybe there's this big snake or legless lizard type creature out there that that we haven't discovered yet because, you know, we, we're not able to go into the deserts for very long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Um, what what's your take on it? Um, uh, this is a good question. I think I think that there's a possibility that the creature existed once. Um, not necessarily that it had the electric shocks and all that. Um, and not necessarily that it was as lethal as you know the stories claim. Yeah. Um. That's not to say it isn't. I mean, 
biblically, when you look biblically, you see the types of creatures uh, that have been mentioned. And one in particular is the Leviathan, um, which almost seems like a, a sea serpent of some sort uh, mm. in the book of Job. You know, and God praises this creature uh, pretty highly, strength and how it's in, uh, incapable of being hurt or destroyed by anything or anyone other than God. Uh, and so I, I think it's possible that, you know, I mean, Look at dinosaurs. Look at some of the creatures that have been found uh, or some of the creatures that exist today in the depths of the ocean. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's very possible that the creature did exist at some point, uh, but without true evidence, you know, we, we just can't. We can't possibly know for sure. Um, but then again, it could have been a very... could have been just a normal giant worm of some sort back then, and people had added some attributes to it, you know? Yeah. And became something almost like dragons. I mean, there's no proof that dragons exist. There's no significant evidence, uh, no fossils or anything like that that is fighting yeah. dragons in particular. Uh, that could very well just be uh, a medieval mindset of uh, almost taking dinosaurs and, you know, kind of adding certain elements to the creature to make it something else. Um Right. Well, like, I mean, and that's one thing with, with dragons, like a lot of possibilities are, were these, these, uh, knights that were going into caves were finding, um, fossils and then making up these stories, not necessarily making them up, but in their mind, they almost faced death because this creature was standing there or was embedded in the stone and that was their explanation of what they saw. Mm -hmm. So I, I agree too, that it could be just a huge legend from going back a couple centuries, um, or even only a couple hundred years where they saw something that scared them so badly that it just, uh, rolled into something more than what it what it is or what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, uh, we'll take our next break, folks. Uh, we have your paranormal headlines for you, uh, and we then we will uh, wrap up after a quick commercial. So you are listening to Paratruth Radio, and we will be right back. And now, Paratruth Radio's paranormal headlines. Justin here with your paranormal headlines. Leonard Nimoy has died at the age of 83. The actor, who is well known for his iconic role as Mr. Spock in the Star Trek saga, as well as his writing and singing, succumbed to the final stages of COPD on February 27th. Nimoy had went to the hospital on February 26th with severe chest pains, but was released the very next day. I think I speak for everyone when I say, live long and prosper, Mr. Nimoy. This was a segment of Paratruth Radio's Paranormal Headlines.
ladies and gentlemen, sublimely elegant here as always, and you are listening to Ferret Truth Radio. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Start it off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody, squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. This is David Montaigne, author of End Times in 2019, and you are listening to Paratruth Radio. All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And uh, we have been talking about... The Mongolian Death Now, me and Eric have both come to the conclusion that it's a possibility that thing this thing has existed or does exist uh now um some of the uh the aspects of this thing such as the spitting of the venom uh or the electric shock even though any creatures that we know of cannot shoot electric shock from a distance away um the electric eel can only do it because it's in water um are very believable. Is it being uh, dramatis- dramatized by its size? It, that could be a possibility too. Maybe this thing's only a snake that's a couple feet long, but not very wide or uh, thick at all. It's just a a reptile. Um, one thing that I wanted to bring up, and I don't know how th- uh, this could be done, but uh, do you think, other than spreading a-, a huge lie, that this could be hoaxed in any way? Um, like dating back to where <clears throat> the legends kind of started. Well, the legends start almost a thousand years ago, which was... Uh, approximately when the very first sighting had ever occurred. Um, and, and I mean, honestly, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what time was. I mean, other than what books tell us, I don't really know the times of uh, trickery back then, you know, <laughs> yeah. playing tricks on people in the world. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily uh, a trick of any sort, because if it was, it. They, they would have come up with some type of uh, either some remains or some kind of doctored photos like that to help boost, um, I, I guess, the credibility of this creature existing, okay. uh, which they haven't which they haven't done. I mean, you, when you think of Bigfoot, for example, or even more popular, the uh, 
the chupacabra, which has been pranked on numerous accounts. Um, mm. People have, you know, taken the bodies of different creatures or have created uh, really good artists have created creatures that look like or mimic somehow the uh, the stories of these cryptids and have expressed them or showed them to be real when they really weren't. So. Uh, I mean, with that, without that being done, I don't think this is necessarily a trick. I think it's just a story that happens to uh, happens to be a story right now. Okay. Well, and I mean, even look at the tape that came out. Uh, I, I can't remember how long ago. I think it was in the the late nineties. The <laughs> the uh, autopsy tape of the extraterrestrials from nineteen forty seven. And some people still think that that was just a huge reenactment uh, or a hoax. Um, but the uh, person that did it claims that it was a reenactment, but had used what footage he could salvage as part of the video. So, right. I, I mean, yeah, I I believe what you're saying is. Is true. I don't think that there was any way to not to hoax this thing, but also to nothing came up to to try and push the matter either. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't. I don't think that uh, it could have been hoaxed. I mean, I think that it could have either been over dramatized or somebody making up a story to scare the crap out of people, and it just became huger than that. Um, <clears throat> but. Um, I don't I don't uh foresee somebody being able to come up with this huge like tube or something to to try and make people think that there's something out there. So All right. All right. Um well, we've got a lot of great things coming up for you guys. Um uh I did want to mention that we are still running the giveaway for the Autograph Paratruth Radio t-shirt on our Facebook page. Uh, Eric, why don't you go ahead and give them that that uh, question again? All right. Uh, the question is, <clears throat> what is the first account of demonic oppression in the Holy Bible? Uh, again, it is, what is the first account of demonic oppression in the Holy Bible? Uh, now, note the word oppression is not used in the Bible. Uh, so you're going to have to do a little bit of research uh, to, f- to find this answer. But the price, uh, the cost, I guess, is well worth the price, or well worth the, yeah. the, the, the Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, not, not me personally, but a lot of people when they hear research in the Bible, their minds kind of turn off because I mean, the yeah. Bible is huge. Where are you going to look to to find it? Um, since we have not had an answer yet, why don't you give them a hint where they can just like what what book or what part of the Bible can they find it in? Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll begin by saying it's in the Old Testament. Okay. And if, if we don't have anything next week, I'll give another hint. Okay. So the old when uh, when you guys find this, uh, go on our Facebook page. You can just Leave it as a comment. Um, I will mention it again uh, when I uh, post the archive for you guys. 
and you can put it in the comments as as well for the uh, for the archive. Um, the other thing I wanted to let you do is go ahead and uh, mm-hmm. plug your your short film. All right. So uh, yeah, my short film, also known as my thesis film for school, um, and I'm not making this film just for school. It is actually something that's been on my mind for a while here. Uh, is a movie called The Revealed. It's a short film. It is a horror sci-fi style film. Um, and it's about a young author who writes books. Let me rephrase that. It's about a young author who uh, finds herself being attacked by the very beings that she writes about. Um, it is and ends up being a pretty dark story at times. So there, there is a pretty nice uh, some jump scares in this film. Just to let everyone know. Um, I know for some people, you know, they like that jump scare thing. So it's in there. Yeah. It's there. Uh, but there's also a lot of truth in this film. Uh, it, there is a Christian uh, perspective on this whole thing. Uh, but I think everyone will like it. So definitely check us out. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash The Revealed Movie. Uh, go there, like the page, share the page. Uh, I am currently in pre-production. We start production this upcoming fall of 2015, most likely around September, uh, and the film will be completed by spring of 2016, where it will be entered into uh, into film festivals. And, of course, I will be sharing it with all of you fine para fans uh, that tune in Um and there will be a point in which I start doing giveaways and whatnot, so some people can end up getting signed copies of the DVD version of this film as well. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Facebook.com forward slash The Revealed Movie. Yeah, folks, uh, definitely go like this page, um, not just in support of Eric, but it's a very good movie uh I've heard the synopsis as well as his ideas behind it. Um, And one thing that I wanted to comment on the jump scare is most people, when they watch a horror movie, um, if if you can see something coming, then it's not scary. Like you have to have that jump, jump scare in order for people to get startled, get their adrenaline moving. And I mean, just like a roller coaster, it's, it's an, adrenaline junkie type situation you go to a a scary movie to get the scare the crap scared out of you so Mm -hmm. now i mean this um, is a thinker this this film is a thinker you'll be thinking a lot in this film and wondering you know what's i guess what's real and what isn't you know like well what is the truth here Um, right so so it's definitely something and i know a lot of people might be thinking you know oh it's a short film it could be you know one of those crappy short films um, but there is a lot of expenses going into this, a lot of money. Uh, we are using high-end professional cameras that are used on some of the largest budget films out there, um, such as Lord of the Rings. We use the same type of cameras that I'm going to be using. Um, so so it, it's not going to be a cheap film. You guys are going to enjoy it's it. It's not going to be like a sci-fi it. featured gonna... film. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Uh, it's not going to be a sci-fi feature film, no. Um, I, I personally and truly believe it's going to be a wonderful film uh, that God has put on my heart, and it's going to be out there for everyone. 
Christians, non-Christians, people who believe in aliens, don't believe in aliens, you name it. Um, I feel like All right. Um, now, folks, for those of you uh, that have followed us from the very beginning, uh, we've got some great things coming. I won't mention anything right now, um, but you can look on the Facebook page and uh, see what's going on a little bit. Uh, also, I did want to mention next week we'll be talking about shadow people. Uh, if you guys don't know what shadow people are, most people that follow ghost hunters usually do. Um, but uh, stay tuned for that. And then uh, we'll also, the week after that, be doing our thank you episode for the uh, not just you, our listeners, but our contributors to the Indiegogo campaign. Um, so stay tuned for that as well. Um, I think that's all I've got. Did you want to add anything else? Um, for those of you just tuning in for the first time, whether you're listening live or to the podcast, check us out on facebook.com forward slash Parachute Radio. Like us and share us. Um, yeah, that's about it. Okay. <laughs> and you you can also find us on Twitter. Uh we are are on LinkedIn, but LinkedIn's a little bit different than the other uh social networks. Um and you can also email us when we're not on air, paratruthradio mm-hmm. at gmail dot com if you guys have any questions, concerns, if you have any suggestions for guests. Uh we've have had a couple people approach us uh in the past couple weeks now to be on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you guys have an amazing story that you want to get out, if you guys have a, a book that is being published and you want to get the word out, as long as it falls into the category of what we talk about, we will more than be happy to uh, look into it. And if it'll fit our criteria, then we will get you on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that, um, just shoot us an email uh if it's a guest request make sure it's in the title because if it's an email i don't know more times than not i'm very skeptical about opening them only because there's so much stuff on the internet right now where you can get a virus or anything else so definitely make sure you mention that in the um description um all right on that note uh we are out for the evening. You guys have been listening to Paratruth Radio. My name's Justin. And I'm Eric. And we will talk to you guys next week. Peace.
I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Right.